Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. I'm David Partain, and I'm joined with my fabulous co-host, Laura Gregg. Laura, no matter what business we are in, or what obstacles we sometimes face and even tragedies cross our path, we have to choose how to respond. We know that teams and managers are facing difficulties right now due to a multitude of issues, but our guest today, Austin Hatch, is someone who knows how to adapt obstacles and come up stronger on the other side. I am so excited to have this conversation with Austin uh, because I know he's going to um, give us all a new perspective on things and uh, help us travel through the adversities uh, we may be facing. Yeah, this is a very timely topic. Austin is an inspirational speaker and the mastermind behind the GRIT framework. He has an impressive list of accomplishments. Austin has dealt with much personal tragedy, and we will get into that. And along with serious health complications, which included rehabbing from a massive brain injury and then going on to play basketball for the University of Michigan. And now he speaks at events all over the country for clients like Northwestern Mutual, New York Life, Kellogg's, Domino's, and Accenture, just to name a few. Austin has reached over 15,000 individuals, had 200 plus media appearances, appeared at over 150 corporate audience events, and is also includes 100 plus virtual events since we have all experienced COVID. Austin inspires people the world over, and we are excited to have him on our show today. Austin, welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate you having me. It's great to be with you all. Austin, we are looking forward to diving into your content, but before we do, tell us a little bit about yourself, what's important to you, and how you found your passion, even through tragedy, to help others overcome the challenges in their own lives. Yeah, well, first and foremost, um, I've been a husband to my wife, Abby, for the past five years. It's been an incredible journey with her, and we've had a great life together, and we just walked on our first child into the world a couple months ago. Hudson James Hatch. I was born October 14th, 2022. It's been a life-changing experience becoming a father. I'm sure you can attest and if you have kids of your own and um, anybody on the call today, I'm sure can can attest that becoming a parent is it's a life-changing experience. And I'm so grateful for the, for the opportunity to be a dad. And my dad was one of the greatest men to ever live as far as I'm concerned. And um, if I can be half the dad to our son that my dad was to me, I feel like I've done my job. I've been incredibly blessed and really had two really bad days in my life. I've had some tough days, mm. but only two, only two actually bad days. The first tragedy was um, September 1st, 2003. My family and I, we were flying home to our home in Fort Indiana. And as you're we preparing to land, the airplane tragically crashed and burst into flames, killing my mom, Julie. Mm. She was 30, 38 at the time. Um, my sister, Lindsay, was 11 about to turn 12 a week later my little brother Ian was only five incomprehensible oh. incomprehensible loss but you know um, my mom was in, was an incredible homemaker and you know just an incredible mother 
Um, and I'm so grateful to have had the eight years with her that I did. And my older sister, Lindsay, was, um, she was, had so much potential, um, so, so, so talented, so much to look forward to. My, my dad, you know, somehow pressed on. I can't imagine what it was like to lose a wife of 20 years and high school sweetheart and let, let alone two beautiful children. I mean, as I mentioned, I'm a proud dad now. Yeah. And it's only been a couple of months, but I can't imagine what it's like losing a son and, and a daughter in addition to your wife. But, um, you know, my dad led me through that. He showed me, you know, how we overcome and how you bounce back. It's not something you really ever overcome. I should say it's more something you just kind of learn to live with, right? But we, uh, we, life was good. And he was eventually remarried to a lovely woman named Kimberly. who had three kids of her own. Great blended family, restored some normalcy in my life. Not the same, obviously, but great to have a mom and siblings at home again. And I was working really hard on my basketball skills on the court, began to have success. As a sophomore in high school, I had to get a lot better, obviously. I was only 16, but Coach Beeline came to watch me play, had a good game, and a few months later, he offered me a scholarship to play for him June 15, uh, on June 15, 2011, to play for him at Michigan. Always my lifelong dream to play in Michigan. And I, I committed, accepted on the spot, and looked forward to a great career there, hopefully. But then nine days later, a tragedy struck again. We were involved in a second plane crash that killed my dad and my second mom, Kimberly and almost killed me as well should have definitely should have killed me you know i was in a coma put me in a coma for two months with the traumatic brain injury punctured lungs fractured clavicles broken head broken five broken ribs hematoma in my leg and uh, you know deep cuts all over my body from yeah so i should have died but if you look at all the injuries all the injuries that i had right but you know by the grace of god i survived nothing else i believe by the grace of god i survived and you know was in a coma for two months but Came out of that coma and had a long road to recovery ahead of me. Had to learn how to walk and talk and eat and breathe and, you know, take care of myself and live life. But Coach Beeline came to visit me in the hospital in Chicago. I came out of the coma, but the, the lights were on, but nobody was home, so to speak, right? Like I was kind of there, but I, I was kind of there, but I wasn't. And yeah. he said, Austin, I can't wait to have you on my team someday. Coach you, man. Whenever you ever come to Michigan, I can't wait to coach you. I was in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. He didn't know if I was ever going to walk ever again. And he said he can't wait to coach me. Um, a lot of things had to happen to overcome that challenge, the challenges that I was facing and achieve my goal of getting to Michigan. But so many people helped me, my doctors, nurses, therapists, family, friends, people across the country who prayed for me. I had so many people in my corner, so to speak. But I think more than anything, I think it took some grit. It took some grit to overcome. And I think, I think to, we're all facing challenges today. And a lot of things are going to have to happen to overcome those challenges. We have to rely on the contributions and the help of other people, too. But I think it starts with us, and it's going to take some grit. So, Yeah, there would be probably a lot of people that would go, why me? And just go into a, a shell almost because the, what you have endured on those two very, very bad days was uh, – it's unspeakable. And you talked about having grit. And then you have gone on to develop this GRIT framework. So tell us what G-R-I-T stands for and how is it different from, say, just working hard in your daily life? So my, my, my good friend, Angela Duckworth at the University of Pennsylvania, I know some people on the call have probably heard of Angela. She, she says that she's kind of the GRIT queen, if you will, kind of the master of the whole idea. A professor at Wharton Business School, right? So she's obviously very qualified. And she says that grit is passion and perseverance for the long-term vision. 
Grit's about working really hard every day to make that future vision a reality. That's very true, obviously. Grit is, it is hard work for a long-term, for a long-term goal. But for me and my journey, my, my, my recovery, me, so coming out of a coma, playing basketball from University of Michigan is a very long-term goal. That's a goal way down the road. Like, you're not going to achieve that goal by next week or next month. That's years on end. And so grit, applied to, grit applies to achieving the long-term goal for sure. But grit also applied every single day for me because I expect to achieve my ultimate goal if I wasn't winning one day at a time. And so I think grit's more specific than just working hard for the long-term vision. So it's four letters. There's four key components to it. But first and foremost, I believe grit is driven by a greater purpose. I think we need to work for something bigger than, bigger than ourselves, whether that's your faith, family, friends, teammates, colleagues, right? The organization we're a part of, whatever your purpose is, it's different for all of us. But I think we really need to find something that is going to drive us to do what it takes to overcome and achieve our goals. Because if, if we're working just for ourselves, you know, it'd be nice if we overcame this obstacle. It'd be really nice if we did, but I'm doing it just for me. So it's going to take too much time, too much effort, too much sacrifice to get it done. It's not really worth it. But if we're working for our, our family, right, you know, other people who are counting on us, it's like, of course, you're going to do what it takes. I think when you have the greater purpose, it, it drives grit at all times, at all times, but especially in the face of challenge and adversity. So the G, growth mindset. The growth mindset views adversity as opportunity. I believe we can grow from anything we experience. I firmly believe it. We don't grow from the event we face. Nobody, no, nobody grows from the challenges in their life. But I think we grow from how we choose to respond. It's a choice. It's a choice to look at adversity as an opportunity. It's a choice not to have the victim mindset. It's a choice to, it's a choice to decide that we're going to find a way. Have to have, I wanted to have the, the challenges that I faced. I could have had those, those challenges could have been the reason I didn't make it to mission. And that would have been very, very understandable. People would have understood if you're in a serious accident, you're in a coma for two months. That would be a, a legitimate reason to not achieve your goal of getting, making it to Michigan, right? Sure. But I wanted to, but I was, but I was going to, I was going to get there one way or another. So I think when you have that growth mindset, it'll drive us to make the decision to be resilient. That's the R. The R is the decision to be resilient. And a lot of people may have, may think of resilience as people who overcome their challenges and achieve their goals despite them. Like people may, may have, th may think of me as resilient because I made it to Michigan after being in the tough situation that I was in. I don't think so though. I think resilience is not outcome focused. Resilience is, is the is process focused resilience is day is day to day you're resilient if you show up and take action consistently massive action in the face of challenges and adversity my dad always said us whatever you do man whatever you do go big or go home he said go big or go home mm -hmm. don't waste your time going halfway and i think if we decide to be resilient go big in the face of adversity because we're gonna have to you can't go small and expect to overcome challenges and achieve our goals right whatever they are and any, anything that's truly worthwhile, anything that is, that is a, a lofty goal, whether it's lofty or not, a lot of the time, you have to work really hard to achieve it. And and I think yeah. so go, going big in the face of adversity doesn't guarantee we're going to overcome challenges. That alone doesn't guarantee it. But what I can almost guarantee for sure is that going small in the face of adversity will guarantee we don't overcome. Why wouldn't we go? Why wouldn't we do the thing that's going to give us a good chance of overcoming the challenge and achieving our goal? Right. So. The I, integrity. Of course, integrity is being honest, doing the right thing and no one's looking. Of course, that's true. But in addition, I believe integrity is following through on our commitments, especially when there's a change in circumstance. It's, I don't want to say it's easy to follow through on our commitments when circumstances are good, but it's, it's easier, I'll say, right? 
when we get what we expected to get, when the situation, when it's convenient, we're probably going to follow through. But when it, but when the circumstances change, when it's hard, when it would be very easy to not follow through on our commitment, to not do what we said we would do, pretty tempting to do that. So I think, you know, you look at what Coach Beeline did for me, right? He offered me a scholarship and I was playing at a pretty high level, June 15th, 2011. He thought that I'd be able to help his team win on the court by scrolling and rebounding, playing defense, things like that. The second plane crash happened nine days later. Almost killed me. Could have killed me, right? But I was in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. And he told me he can't wait to coach me. He didn't know if I was ever going to walk ever again. And he said, I can't wait to have anyone on my team someday. And it's just what we do at Michigan. We follow through on what we commit to. And I think about that from an organizational, cultural, collaborative perspective, right? If we can all do that, if we can all have our follow through and our commitments be a no-brainer, regardless of circumstance, if everybody on our team knows, if our customers know, if our clients know, if our teammates know, if everybody knows that when we make a commitment to them, we're going to follow through no matter what, that can only help us win. I mean, maybe one person doing that once or twice is not going to make a big difference. But if everybody on the team buys into that idea, if everybody buys into the fact that we're going to follow through no matter what, we're a team of people, they're reliable. We, we follow through on our commitments all the time. That help us win, right? I believe following through on our commitments when there's a change in circumstance is doing a common thing in an uncommon way. And the result of doing the common things in an uncommon way consistently, I believe, is we're going to leave people in places better than we found them. But if we can go a little bit a little bit above and beyond to leave them a little better than we found them, well, that's what integrity is to me. It's doing those common things in an uncommon way consistently. So last letter of Grits T. T is a team versus mentality. The team versus mentality. David, Laura, I know you guys probably didn't know this today, but um, I'm actually in the record books at Michigan, believe it or not. And I say this with all sincerity and all humility. I'm in the record books, and my record will probably never be broken. Probably never. What's that? The, I am the all-time lowest-scoring full-scholarship athlete in program history. Nobody, <laughs> no, nobody, nobody will ever be on a full ride four years. That's a million-dollar deal over four years and score less than one point. It will never happen. I highly doubt it will ever happen. But, hey, the person on the team has a role. And so I couldn't play on the court. But what I could do, I could be a great teammate. I could shag balls in practice, help with drills, unload luggage every day from you know, on the road trip, from the bus to the plane, plane to the bus, rebound and shoot on before games, and work hard every day to, the, to be the best that I could be. That was my role. All those things are very much within our control. I think we can all be great teammates. We can all do what the team needs. Think about the we before the me. And remember that everybody on the team has a role. And my thing was about, about adding value to the team. I wanted to add value. My goal in life is to add value to every situation I'm ever a part of. Whether it's my, my marriage, as a dad, business, companies I work with, teams I'm a part of. I want to add value to everything, everything I'm a part of every, every time. And what I think my contribution to the team it should be may not be what the team needs. So I think – we got to be willing to team in the ways that, right? Maybe I'd love to be able to play in the big games. I couldn't do that. So, but things I could do that, that, that would add value to the team. And so if we just have that team first mentality, we'll make the decision, you know, to think about the team first and decide to add value in whatever ways the team needs. So that's great. <laughs> Purpose-driven growth mindset. So Austin, thank you for that. And David and I actually yesterday 
had the great honor of meeting uh, somebody else who uh, has a great team mindset, uh, Shaquine Griffin played just retired from the Seattle Seahawks played with one hand, the only person in the NFL to do that. And and he shared a bit of his story and the things that he had to overcome. And now I believe uh, Roger Goodell has a spot for him in the NFL, helping folks that need to transition out of the NFL, do it and do it in a winning way and, and to understand, you know, how to, to move beyond these different worlds. Um, So I just, uh, you know, just the, the excitement that he had yesterday is unrivaled with the excitement that you have today. And, you know, it, it, I think it was a really strange thing when I initially took your call, Austin, you were telling me your story and um, while my, uh, you know, nobody's in a competition for tragedy, right? But I, I shared with you that I too lost uh, an uncle and two cousins in a, in a plane crash many years ago. And I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. But I, uh, but what I learned from my aunt who survived and her children that were not in that plane is is all of the things that you just talked about. The the perseverance, the resilience. Resilience was something she talked about a lot and really uh made sure it was something that she tried to instill uh in the rest of her family. But those are all very important things and and you know that you had, that Shaquine had that Mary Lou had that really, you know, when I, we can all dive into our own day-to-day issues and think, you know, wow, this is really hard. And is it even worth it? And, and, you know, this, our podcast goes out to financial advisors. And so, you know, a lot of what you just said there, I think is, is really valuable for an advisory team. We we do, you know, we we take on this commitment of making our clients, helping them achieve their legacy, taking something and making it better for them and for future generations. And uh, that integrity that you talked about, following through on those commitments, I, I think the, you know, transferability into a corporate mindset is, is so valuable. And uh, the team mentality, Every person on your team should be engaged to to help move your clients forward. Um, so, you know, thank you for that. And I just kind of wanted to tie some of those pieces together because this does have relevance for business. It's how you show up. It's how you serve your people and how you make them better and become better yourself through those engagements. But I'd like to go back and kind of talk a little bit more about your coming back, your road back. And, you know, the level of your brain injury was extreme. I think I read that it was TBI level seven, which I'm not sure I know what that means. But if you could kind of explain that and kind of the road to recovery that that you took from that that very serious brain injury. Yeah, well, um, yeah, unfortunately, I had a, a severe brain injury. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, a level seven TBI. So traumatic brain injuries, TBIs, are measured on a scale of one to seven, seven being the worst. And levels one, two, and three have a pretty good chance of, you know, like a, a concussion is a traumatic brain injury. Fortunately, most concussions are, I don't want to say mild, because if, you're, if you, get, if you have, a, have a concussion, you hit your head really hard. Levels one, two, and three, I think statistically have a pretty good chance of, you know, 
returning back to normal life, regaining your independence, things like that. Levels four, five, six, and seven have decreasingly smaller chances. And my TBI, my doctors told me, was the worst level seven TBI they'd ever seen that came out of the came out of a coma. So I'm very blessed to be alive. As, as I mentioned earlier, I statistically, I, and based on the injuries I had, I probably shouldn't be. But by the grace of God, I am. And as soon as I realized, you know, that I, I kind of as soon as I kind of regained my consciousness and kind of came out of a coma and regained my sense of self and awareness, things like that, I just kind of just decided early on, we're, we're going to do everything in our power. I say we because it wasn't just me. It was me, all the all the therapists, doctors, nurses, my family, friends, everybody who supported me. We're going to do everything in our power to make the greatest recovery that's ever been made from the level seven TBI. Maybe I, did, maybe I didn't, doesn't matter. I just think ha- having setting a lofty goal and working towards it is very valuable because if you don't achieve it, you'll, you'll have, gro- we'll have grown just by setting a lofty goal and taking the action required to put ourselves in position to achieve. I don't know if any, any of you are, are familiar with basketball, but like help side, if the ball is on the other side of the court, you're, that from your man, you can't hug your man and only be worried about him. You got to be be able to be in position to help your teammate out if he gets beat. And so I think like in, in life and in business, obviously we got to focus on our on our own jobs and make sure we're getting our stuff done. But we got to be in the right position to be able to help our teammates out when they need it, right? Because we can't all be like say we have we have ten people on our team hypothetically. We can't have people on ten separate islands. All worried about their own thing. Only worried about the only worried about what they're doing. Them worried about their stuff, but also know what's going on in the other parts of the business too, to be able to help out when they're needed. And we got to put ourselves in position to be in position to achieve our goals. And I think that was you know that was my thing. I didn't know if I would be able to overcome my challenges and achieve my goal of getting to Michigan. I didn't know, but I was just going to control what I control and work as hard as I could and, get, and give myself the best chance. To achieve because very very rarely in life do we do things there's a guarantee that we're going to achieve our goals or, or a guarantee that we're going to you know meet x metric of success or however you choose to define it it's very rarely a guarantee i think what we can do though is give ourselves the best chance to achieve it like control like for example studying for a test the night before that doesn't guarantee you're going to do well but maybe studying for the week prior, an hour a day, rather than cramming the night before, I would think studying an hour a day the week prior would kind of give you a good chance of getting an A. It doesn't guarantee it, though, right? But you, you do that, you prepare because it gives you it gives you a better chance for success. And so I think why not do everything we can to put ourselves in position to be in the right position to achieve our goals? And that's really all I was trying to do at Michigan. And with my recovery from TBI. I didn't know if I'd if I'd be able to make it to Michigan. When I if if I got to Michigan, I didn't know what I'd be able to do, how I'd be able to contribute. But I just wanted to do everything I could to give myself the best chance to add value in the ways that I could. So, so Austin, you you've talked about a variety of leaders, including your dad and Coach Beeline, who really had a very strong and wonderful impact on your life. And we oftentimes, as advisors, have to have we manage a team and so how would those type of managers and leaders instill grit into their teams and companies i think it starts with with us it starts with the leader because if those we are leading don't see that in us but they're but they're expecting us to have it and if they don't have it how, i mean it doesn't really work it's kind of a disconnect there right how can we expect things of our team 
that we are willing to do ourselves that we're not showing ourselves on a day to day. And that's what I think coach Beeline did so well. Hmm. Um, he, ne- he never asked anybody to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself or, or never asked anybody to behave in a way that he wasn't behaving. Right. Like it just kind of makes sense. And I think yeah. that the most powerful way to lead is by example. And I think the great thing about, about, about leadership, I don't ha- I'm not leading a team of 10 or 20 people. So who am I to say this, but just based on the people I've interacted with leaders, I've been around my dad, Coach Beeline, and, and many others. And I think from a leadership standpoint, grit doesn't have to be your standard. Whatever your, your standard is for your team, I think we just got to behave in a way and lead our teams in a way inspires those we lead to buy into that idea, right? Because and the, the, great thing about leader, the great thing about leadership, and it comes to great personal sacrifice, because I think, you know, you don't choose to be a leader. I mean, you don't choose to be a leader because it's convenient. It, it's hard. And I think if we, if we just consistently remember that standard that we set for our team and remember the greater purpose too, right? Like why we're leading, why we're doing what we're doing. I mean, I think, I think we'll, that'll, that'll get our team to buy into it. And if they see that in us consistently, you know, for as leaders, if we're leading just for ourselves, we're kind of, you know, managing from a distance, asking, asking people to always, if we're delegating too many things, always expect the other people to, sacrifice for us but we're not willing to sacrifice for them right it doesn't really make sense a leader is someone who's very humble yet very confident and who others will follow because that leader has shown over a long period of time that he or she genuinely genuinely cares about those he's leading i think if you, if you show your team that you genuinely care about them you love on them lead them well and care about them as people more than just employees more than just workers person wouldn't want to sacrifice and do what they can to per- to perform for that kind of a leader right you're so spot on austin and uh, you know the the phrase is people don't leave jobs they leave managers and so when you're fortunate to have a wonderful manager i consider myself one of those people you know it's a joy uh, and an honor to to come into work so we're in an industry that that absolutely loves sports analogies. And sports obviously is a huge part of who you are and your life. And I believe in an interview you once said, you don't run plays the same way you did in November as you do in March. And I'm curious, what do you mean by that? And how can that be relevant to uh, the managers that are listening to this podcast today, especially given the current very volatile market environment that we're currently in, which is truly challenging. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's obviously a, you know, a volatile, challenging time to be in the financial services space, but it also presents a great opportunity as well. Challenges are opportunities in disguise. I really believe that. And what that, that yeah, that, I, I remember saying that, um, the quote you, you mentioned, you don't run plays the same way in November that you do in, that you do in March. And what I meant by that is, you may run the same play. It may be the same offense you're, you run in November that you do in March, but you're going to by, by all year long against a variety of different opponents, a variety of different defenses, you're only going to get better. And I think about it like from a, you know, a financial services standpoint, I'm not in financial services. I'm not a financial advisor, but I think about it from like a, say you have a similar client year year one of your or you're just getting into the space. And on your 10, it may be the same the same type of client, but you're going to be better prepared and better prepared to deliver for that for that client and deliver on what they're what, like deliver achieve the goal. That 
that's really great to close on. And thank you. It's such a privilege speaking with you today. And I'm already thinking about how I can apply your outlook and principles to the challenges I face both personally and professionally as a manager. And for our listeners who are interested in learning how they can work with you, we will have links to your website and LinkedIn profile in the show notes. But Austin, I just want to say thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Great to be with you all. And hope to be hoping we meet in person someday, whether it's 2023 or 2024 or beyond. We'd love to meet in person someday. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Thanks for listening to The Flexible Advisor. We created this show for advisors to help them grow their business. If you like this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating and most importantly, sharing our podcast with other advisors. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.